The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, September 5th, the bittersweet edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, cultural critic, and mother to Naima, who is six, and a brand new, almost Inglewood, California resident. I'm Rebecca Lavoie. I'm a journalist and podcaster living in New Hampshire, and I am mom to Henry, who is 18, my son Teddy, who is 16 and a half, and my stepdaughter Lily, who is 19. And I'm Faith Smith, executive producer of Slate Live, living in Virginia. I'm the mom of Benjamin, who is six, and from Bank, who is two. Today on the show, we have two very different questions, one uh, regarding a devastating family open secret, the other from someone who isn't a parent but wants very badly to figure out just how she can be more helpful to those of her friends who are. And on Slate Plus, we're talking about every parent's absolute favorite time of the year, back to school season. If you want to hear that conversation, come on over and join us on Slate Plus at slate.com backslash mom and dad plus. As we always do, we're kicking off the show with triumphs and fails, looking back at how we've succeeded and how we've completely bombed at parenting in the past week. Rebecca, do you have a triumph or a fail? Last week, you had a triumph. <laughs> Thank you for keeping score. I know. I, I just I tend am. to focus on the positive. <laughs> uh, I have a kid triumph and a me fail, so it's a pairing. Um, Teddy, it's his first year going to school by himself. His brother is now college, so he's been getting up every morning so far of the school year and driving himself to school, getting up without being woken up, taking a shower without being asked, uh, getting his stuff together, brushing his teeth, and just like heading out the door all by himself. Huge triumph because that was a huge thing we worried about because last year and the year before when Henry was driving to school, it was always like, where's Teddy? Is he up? Has he brushed his teeth? Has he eaten breakfast? Why is he watching YouTube on the couch? All that stuff. But he seems really into it. He seems really like he's like into the whole thing where he owns this and he wants to just like mm-hmm. show he can do it, which is cool. Um, but the fail on my part is that Every single morning of the school year that we've been together, keep in mind he's with his dad some of the time and with me some of the time, every single morning I have said to him, like, I really want to make you a sandwich today. I mean, it's, it's actually something I enjoy doing. Like, I love when the kids just do their own lunch, but like, I actually really like making Aww. them sandwiches still. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, every single day, I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk with the dogs. When I come back, I'm going to make you a sandwich. Cool. And he's always like, yeah. And then every single time I've come back from a walk with the dogs, he's gone. <laughs> So I actually, I actually think he's leaving on purpose. Like, I keep like <laughs> my walk yesterday morning. I like left the house. I go to this local park. I walk the so I walk the dogs off leash on this trail, and I'm there. And I'm like, all right, he's. I know that he would typically leave at seven thirty, but he's been leaving at like seven twenty five for some reason. So I'm actually gonna like run part of this so I can get home at like seven eighteen and just catch him and tell him not to leave. And mm-hmm. I did on my. By the way, broken leg like <laughs> hobble run like half the walk drove back to the house got home at exactly 718 he was gone <laughs> so Aww. he has successfully avoided my one attempt at parenting and thus i have failed at not just making the damn sandwich the night before or somehow otherwise forcing him to accept my love so i need to figure out a new strategy for next week and uh, i'll think about that because in the meantime this whole i'll make you a sandwich please don't leave yet thing has been a failure 
Have you considered maybe making a few in advance and having them in the freezer? <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. <laughs> you have to hide them though. So like behind, like put it behind something he wouldn't eat. Like I know. Green beans. I or I, corn I just think he's he's really just rejecting my like he's 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 like rejecting the thing I'm trying to do. And I, I it's fine. Mm-hmm. He's allowed to do that. And I would I'll take the independence over. If it means he's rejecting my sandwich or whatever, I'll take that If as long as it means he's leaving for school. <laughs> but still, I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> he got me again. <laughs> Is it cooler to buy lunch in the cafeteria than to bring something your mom made? Is that the issue? He's trying to be cool. I don't know. I don't know. My sandwiches are pretty awesome. <laughs> I've never had any complaints about them. I think that he just like wants to just get out that when he's done, like he's ready to go. He just wants to go. Like he's like, I'm committed to doing this and I'm just doing it. And if that means rejecting my mother's love and awesome sandwich, that's what I'm doing. So anyway. <laughs> You're doing your best. You're doing your best, Rebecca. How about you, Faith? Have you won, lost? <laughs> a little bit of both every day. I'm going to share Phil t- today because it's the only thing I'm thinking about lately. Uh, somehow I have two children who are terrible morning people, which I'm sure one day when they're teenagers and adults is going to be like an amazing thing that I'm proud of. But they wake up by 530 every morning, every day of the week. And as I mentioned, my oldest child is oh six. God. So I am like years in of just being tired. And if we happen to sleep till like 6.30 or 7, it's like a huge victory. And I've tried everything. We have the puppy okay to wake up clock where its tummy turns from red to green when they're allowed to get out of bed. And it worked for about three months, spring and summer. And we went away for two days, only two days. And since then, they do not care if puppy is red or green. 5.30 a.m., they're in our room telling us puppy's green, telling us it's wake-up time, going into the kitchen and helping themselves to food. So we have to, like, get up because there's a two-year-old involved. They can't just, like, roam the house on their own. So my fail is I do not know how to get my children to stay in bed. They do go to bed pretty good at night. So in one regard, that's a triumph. Uh, but whenever I talk to a new parent and they ask when the sleeplessness ends, I have no hope to offer because I don't know yet when the sleeplessness ends and when you actually can get a good night's sleep. So, fail. What time do they go to bed? They do. They go to bed around 8, 8.30. I mean, they sh- they go to bed at 8. They should wake up around 6. Like, 8.30, wake up around 6.30. So, I, I and when they <laughs> stay up late, if, like, we're doing a thing and they're up late, there's no sleep again. Like, their internal clock is like, get out of bed. It's 5.30 in the morning. Life is waiting for you. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, maybe if you just, you know, let them stay up a little bit later or watch <laughs> SNL or something, you know, they'll be too tired to bother you. I might just try it out of desperation, <laughs> out of having tried everything else. But yeah, they we stay up every now and then and it, it, they, I might get 15 extra minutes out of it or none at all. It's wild. Hmm. I don't know. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> I, I think we all can relate on some level. Well, those of you who don't let your kids stay up and watch <laughs> SNL, but for most parents, that's the whole thing. So um, this week, I actually, I think I've been, no, I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I have some points on the board at this uh, at this juncture. I, I think I had one last week, but I, I know this week that I have a triumph because as I've been sharing with um, our dear listeners this summer, since I got here, I'm in transition uh, between New York and the Los Angeles area. And my little one, her dad and her stepmom and her brother moved out there from Brooklyn in July, and I am the last man standing. It's taking me longer to get there than anyone else, which was kind of always the plan, but I think infinitely more traumatic um, once it actually 
began uh, being executed, particularly for me, who every night feels like everyone hates me and my daughter, you know, she's not even going to know me anymore because we've spent the summer apart, even though I've like been there twice and I'll be there twice more before I'm there for good. But anyway, I just feel like everyone hates me and I've ruined the whole family. And, you know, because her dad and stepmom had to, like, just be her parents this summer and not have, you know, shared custody thing. And um, anyway, I I have found an apartment. Yay. I am signing a lease today. There was an error on the one that they sent. So I hope that this uh, I hope this episode ages well. And then next week I'm not saying I have a big fail because I told you about my apartment before girl, the ink was dry on the lease. But I am um, at this point believe that I have an apartment and I'm actually leaving and I'm done with New York at the end of this month and I'm going to spend half of it out there anyway but it's I am going to be a parent again is what I'm saying so I I hope you all listening look forward to me actually having stories about my child to tell because (laughs) I'm going to be getting to know her again after a few weeks away that's awesome congratulations Thank yes, you. Indeed. I've been enjoying following your rage tweets about people stop asking me if I have an apartment yet. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so, oh, it, it's, and I feel bad. And it's not just the apartment. It was like the whole move, you know, and it would literally, especially if I was like stressed out about like, because I, I do freelance writing and consulting work. So those are contract jobs, you know, mm-hmm. or, or one-off things. So that's a, a, a dance. It's a delicate balance of, you know, sometimes high, sometimes low. And when you're trying to take this action on on the road that can be kind of scary so I love everyone and I'm very grateful to anyone who thought to ask me about you know this, this big huge life transition that um, we're making as a, a unit but the are you nervous are you ready are you scared do you have an apartment oh I bet it's hard to find an apartment do you have a car you don't have a car well you have to everybody has to have a car in LA I'm like have you ever left New York you know, well, no, but <laughs> like, then how do you know that everyone in L.A. has a car or that I have to have a car the day I get there? But anyway, the, 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 the speculation and the inquiries and the well-intended um, anxiety-inducing questions and offers of support can come to an end very soon because I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. Um, I'm excited. I'm handling business. And before we get into our questions uh, for this week, let's handle a little business of our own. Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified by all of our fantastic parenting content, including this podcast, Mom and Dad are Fighting, uh, the Karen Feeding column. I'm one of the contributors for that one. Ask a Teacher and much, much more. You want to stay in touch with us? Sign up at slate.com backslash parenting email. And as usual, if you have a question that you would like for us to consider answering on the podcast, leave us a message, old school style, at 424-255-7833. Dan listens to all of the messages himself and transcribes them and chooses the questions that we're going to ask every week. 424-255-7833. Or you can send us an email at slate.com. And if you're one of the fortunate few to have your question selected, it might even be read by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. You can also check out our Facebook group, argue and celebrate all the fantastic things that my colleagues and I have talked about in Care and Feeding. You can weigh in on episodes of Mom and Dad are Fighting. You can connect with your fellow parents and make new friends and set up playdates. It's wonderful. It's a great community and it is also moderated so it doesn't get out of control. We're not going to let anyone abuse you or us. So just search Slate Parenting on Facebook. You might even see me in there every once in a while, but not too often because Facebook scares me and I've allowed my family (laughs) to have it. 
Um, in Slate Plus today, we're going to be talking about back to school time, sending off the little ones or perhaps the big ones, as Rebecca had to do this year, off to college, off to kindergarten, off your couch and out the door. And we're going to talk about all the good, bad and ugly things that go with it. All, well, all the ones that we could fit in a, a few minutes. Check out a clip. I think at the beginning, it's very easy. We parents get overwhelmed and we overthink everything and we want our children to have the most perfect social life and activities and blah, blah. And I think honestly, like, don't do that. If you're interested in more fantastic and exclusive and ad-free content like that, be sure to sign up for our membership program, Slate Plus. It's a great way to support the work that we do over here at Slate. And you get your first year for just $35 and you will go to bed at night knowing that you helped to cover the cost of producing the important podcasts Mom and Dad are fighting, as well as some of your other favorite Slate shows as well. And, of course, you get extended ad-free versions of this show and other great Slate shows, plus many other fantastic benefits. Too fantastic for me to share with all of you unpaying people that are listening. So if you'd like to support Mom and Dad or Fighting, go to Slate.com backslash Mom and Dad Plus and join the cool kids at Slate Plus today. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. So um, we are starting off the conversation on a very serious note. Uh, I want to give you a warning that this is a difficult uh, question that we received today. It was sent to us via mom and dad at slate.com. Hi, mom and dad are fighting. I live out of the country with my toddler daughter, but my mom and dad, brother and sister-in-law, and niece and nephew all live in the small town of 3,000 people where I grew up. Recently, my brother and sister-in-law were over at their sister's house who runs a daycare and their nine-year-old son grabbed my five-year-old niece, pulled her into his bedroom, locked the door, pulled all of her clothes off, and no one knows. Everyone saw him pull her into the room, were banging on the door for him to unlock it, and when he finally did, he was pulling up his pants. Neither he nor my niece have talked about exactly what happened. My niece has since been waking up sobbing at night but I think her parents are figuring out the best way to deal with the situation. They've already put their house up for sale and are working on a way to move as soon as possible. My sister-in-law has informed her sister that there won't be any shared family time for the foreseeable future. I think she's looking into taking her to see someone, but it's a small town and options are limited. It turns out that the nine-year-old's grandfather was sexually abusive to some of his children. Details are scarce and he's no longer living. The kid's mom, my sister-in-law's sister, refuses to send him to a therapist or counselor and refuses to address the fact that in running a daycare, she's putting other kids at risk. 
This is the heart of the question. Both my mom and I feel like she cannot continue to run the daycare and something needs to be done. But it's a small town and I don't see anyone besides myself being comfortable enough with confrontation to insist she close it down or else. Are my instincts even right? I mean, of course they're right, right? Thanks. Well, um, as I said, this is a a very difficult question, Um, but not really that difficult, but a a difficult to process um, and certainly to experience a set of events that have happened. Rebecca, um, you want to weigh in first? Yeah, this is really difficult because it involves people you know. This is one of those situations where you have to imagine it involves people you don't know and what you would do in that situation. At least that's how I think of it. Um, This is beyond whether or not your sister-in-law – this is beyond whether or not uh, this woman and her family should have a daycare in their home. They clearly should not. And it does not matter how small of a town they're in. Uh, there are regulatory agencies that oversee whether or not someone should have a daycare or not. And uh, it is cut and dry that these people should not have a daycare in their home. Um I'm also very concerned that it sounds like your niece was sexually assaulted by this other kid. And the solution here is moving away, uh, maybe taking them to see a counselor. And nobody is really addressing what's going on here is that this nine-year-old kid who, as it's laid out here, we don't really know, but was very likely the victim of abuse himself, which is not uncommon for kids who are the victim of abuse to then become abusers on their own. That is something that is, you know, known um, that there needs to be an intervention here, a legal intervention. If you were in any profession that made you a mandatory reporter, you would be legally required to contact the police. In a situation where everybody in the family witnessed the sexual assault happening, somebody, and yes, it can and should be you if no one else is willing to do it, needs to contact the police. Uh, what will typically happen, obviously it depends on jurisdiction, depends on the state, is that this will be treated as a juvenile matter. Uh, there will be interviews, there will be an investigation, some sort of child services agency will become involved. And it will be difficult, but it is also critical, and it's not black or white. This is, I'm sorry, And it is also critical, and it's not gray area. This is black or white. There are other kids besides your niece and besides the kids in this daycare at peril. If a child who is abusing other kids uh, is not gotten help immediately and aggressively, and if the situation is not uh, uncovered and looked into, this is an incredibly serious matter. And yes, it is can and probably will cause difficulties for everyone involved, yourself included. But I think given that the fact that you told us and the fact that you already sounds like you're leaning in this direction, you know it's the right thing to do. It's not just about threatening shutting down the daycare. It's about taking action. Uh, call the local police in this town. If you don't get if you don't get any reaction, if they don't follow back up with you, call a mandatory reporter. Call the school counselor at one of the kids' schools. Call somebody who is required to follow up. This is really serious and you need to intervene. Faith, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Rebecca on the seriousness in the matter. I'm so sorry this happened to uh, to their their niece. This sounds like a really terrible situation, and I am glad to hear that it sounds like her brother and sister in law are taking it very seriously. I'm there's a lot to unpack. Uh, rashly moving away seems like a slightly odd reaction, and I wonder if there's like a history of 
family conflict there. Um, so the letter writer specifically asks if uh, if she should uh, confront them directly and threaten to shut down the daycare. And I think I think that no, you should probably not do it, but you do definitely need to report it. I don't tend to think going to the police is always the first and best response, especially when children are involved. But every state has a local licensing agency responsible for in-home daycares. And uh, if the person is operating a licensed daycare, then somebody will immediately come and check out and investigate the situation. Hopefully a social worker, somebody uh, with training in situations like this, uh, if they're not licensed, then they will immediately be shut down. So I think like that should be the number one step. And I think reaching out to maybe the local school is is probably a good idea, especially if any of the children at the local school are going there that they know of. I also, uh, I, I kind of want like a family tree so I can figure out a little bit what's happening because the mm-hmm. grandfather of the nephew, and what I don't understand if that is the father of the sister-in-law or not. And if it is, I would just say that she probably should go seek counseling herself because if she herself has been a a victim of child abuse, this is probably reawakening a lot of trauma and fear that she might be, that she might have had in her past. So I think like the family should really think about this as like a family trauma. You know, we don't know what happened in those few minutes, but we know the daughter's privacy was invaded. We know that something bad happened and inappropriate and uh, that needs to be addressed. Um, I I also, if I may, while I have a soapbox, I just want to say that it is, I would like everybody, all the parents listening to calmly and regularly talk to their children about body autonomy and privacy. Mm -hmm. And it is never too early. I talk about it with my two and six year old all the time. Even when I'm changing my two year old's diaper, I talk about private areas, who's not allowed to touch it, who's not allowed to look at it. I just think like, don't wait for something scary to happen to have that conversation. It just needs to be a part of everyday life. I agree. Um, I know for me growing up, it was certainly so much a, a part of my everyday life uh, that it could be a little bit overwhelming at times. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, we have to remind our children over and over again um, that we have a right to our bodies and there's a way that people who are, you know, are not our parents or a select number of trusted uh, adults are able to uh, touch us or, or bathe us or clean us or otherwise engage with us and that anyone else that attempts to violate that um, is violating us and that we, insofar as we can, you know, we, we have to let our kids know we have to teach them to defend themselves um, which is difficult because the, the size difference between a nine-year-old and a five-year-old yeah. can be a tremendous one um, or it could be one that's not that substantial, you know, or significant. And, and it could be also a matter of the trust that this little girl may have had for her cousin. Um, I, I believe this is her cousin uh, until mm-hmm. this incident took place. You know, if um, hopefully it, this was the first and only time that something like this has happened between the two of them um, or that has happened to her. But... You know, I, I would want, and, and it makes me think about some some conversations I need to resurface with my six-year-old, you know, that that delicate balance between try to protect yourself, try to, you know, fend someone off as you can without subjecting yourself to the possibility of more physical violence. But before I even think about what they should be doing in response to what's already taken place, 
I don't know about you all, but I'm so stuck on my, their nine-year-old son grabbed my five-year-old niece, pulled her into a bedroom, locked the door. In front of everyone. Everyone saw him pull yep. her into the room. We're banging on the door for him to unlock it. So, and, and when he finally did, he was pulling up his pants. Number one, how... How I, I want to see the family tree as well. Like how many people, you know, make up this everybody? How many people watch this happen? And, you know, is this the first sign of trouble from this kid? It's hard for me to imagine that a child who would think to drag, you know, not not mm-hmm. say, hey, you want to come play with me or not just simply close the door to a room where he and his cousin were already seated and maybe watching a video or something, but that he would pull her into the room for the explicit person, uh, purpose of seemingly doing some sort of act of uh, a sexual abuse. And that nothing like this has happened before. Hmm. Yeah. Number two, considering how unlikely I think it is that this is the first sign of, of yeah. inappropriate or, you know, if, if nothing else, a g- wildly aggressive behavior from this little boy, you're banging on the door what what's the disconnect between this child and authority hmm. the authority of his mm-hmm. family you know i mean at, at nine years old if you so much as particularly people who weren't my parents like i maybe i yeah certainly i mouth off to my mother and sometimes to my father you know or roll my eyes or you know deliberately disobey but it was rare that they watched me do it yeah. doing it directly in front of you and doing something as messed up as this in front of more than one per everybody so that's i'm going to assume at least 3 people yeah. right watch this happen i i would just think that a child that distrustful i'd be trying to knock the door down i i'm very suspicious of what might be going on in that daycare center not just with her son yeah but with other adults in this family possibly her well these people you know, aren't getting any i mean they're not getting this kid any help and while it's scary to like think about calling i mean i i still stand by the calling the police or, or calling you know or, or calling a mandatory reporter who has to call the police that's sometimes yeah. a good way to do it because then it's not you that has to give the police report but mm-hmm. um you know this is why it's important because there's something going on with this kid too and it's more than about getting this nine-year-old in trouble it's about uncovering right. what is likely a systemic problem that is putting other kids at risk at school, at church, at the daycare, other neighbors. I mean, this kid behaved aggressively in front of adults without care for consequence. That is mm-hmm. far more obvious a thing to report than, hey, these two kids were alone together a while and we suspect something may have happened, but we don't really know. And this is creating an right. uncomfortable dynamic. This is this is like, I mean, that's also bad. And that is also something yeah. that needs to be vetted in its own way. This to me is just much, much more clear cut. And you very uh, effectively <laughs> pointed to all the reasons why I had that reaction. Okay, well, that was quite a um that was quite a thing. That was not um not necessarily the easiest uh conversation that we've had to ha- to have here on the show. It's important though. You know, it really is. I think this is the kind of conversations that if we had more often, uh, not yeah, just on yeah. this show, but in our own families, we might not find ourselves Absolutely. in these situations. If people were comfortable talking about their own experiences with molestation, if people were comfortable talking about 
this is clearly the right thing to do and the fraught dynamics at Thanksgiving are not as important as this. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm I'm glad I'm glad we answered yep. it. Absolutely. I'm glad we did too. Me too. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Our second question this week comes from someone who isn't a parent and is also raising an issue that I think we should talk about a little bit more, albeit one that's a lot lighter and easier um, to process. And she came to us, I believe, via email. The letter says, Dear Mom and Dad are fighting. I need an honest answer to a seemingly simple question. Due to health reasons and personal choices, I am and will remain childless. But I love and respect my friends and value being a part of their babies and their children's lives. My question is, what is the most helpful thing I can do to support my friends and family members who have kids? Honestly. (laughs) First, (laughs) I would like to just say thank you for your question, my friend. Thank you for... um, making peace with what's going on with you and, and your um, the, the fact that you are not interested and, and will not be pursuing uh, parenthood on your own, but that you still care about what we go through and that you love the children in your village and feel a sense of responsibility to support their parents. Most people do not operate that way. Do they? I don't know if they do. What do you all think? I love this letter writer. I agree. I think that I wish more people had this mentality or talked about it or felt open to talk about it. I I love it. We we should say that this letter wasn't signed, but we've nicknamed this letter writer supportive auntie. And yes. I think everybody needs a supportive auntie in their life. And, you know, the way we live now, a lot of people are raising their families far away from grandparents and aunts and uncles. And we don't have a village. And so if I had any wonderful volunteers to join my village, I would happily accept. Like, I'm always taking applications. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think this uh, letter writer is like perfectly primed to do exactly what I would have wanted uh, my childless friends to do, especially when my kids were little. One is um, keep trying to make plans with me and don't take any like uh, my saying no to things as if you should never call me again when you're doing something fun. Just like keep trying. Keep me on your list. Keep me in your Rolodex. Keep inviting me to your barbecues. Keep mm-hmm. asking me out for a glass of wine. A, I'll be grateful for the invite. B, yeah. uh, I will feel good to no longer be like, you know, off the list. I, I really want to stay on the list. Um, yeah. And then also... we get put off the list. It's, it's yeah, totally, don't 100%. give up on us. It's hard. <laughs> so yes, keep asking me. Ask me yeah. first. Ask me among the first wave. Don't assume I can't do things. Uh, and don't assume mm-hmm. I don't want to. And going hand in hand with that is don't take... You know, the things that do get lost when you have little kids and you're negotiating all those, uh, you know, 
mostly transactional BS things like kids who need to go to bed at 730 or 8 o'clock at night, which yeah. means you can't go anywhere. Um, don't mm-hmm. take that as your friendship isn't valuable to me. So find ways mm-hmm. to connect in the little spaces in between that do work, you know, coffee during a front half of the day kindergarten or, you know, uh, the Sunday morning breakfast, like some new tradition or even just a phone call or, you know, a text thread can even be like really meaningful in those spaces. Mm-hmm. So that's what Absolutely. I'd say. Do what you're doing, be understanding, and don't take your friends with kids off your social list. Please, please don't do it. <laughs> I would like to triple emphasize that that um, it took me a year, and I didn't make it back on all the lists, unfortunately. But because I'm a co-parenting mom, and, and many married and, and partner moms get nights off or negotiate you know, time where they can go do their thing and their partner can go do their thing another night. But, you know, I've always had a more like... Um, a a somewhat of a a routine or like regularly having two days to myself each week, you know? Um, And so that I would sometimes just be at home bored because, you know, (laughs) and and, and nobody invited me out. And then I'd I'd look on Instagram and be like, but you all are out, you know? And, (laughs) but we thought you were with the baby, you know? Um, So yes, don't leave people off the list. I think like new moms uh, or new parents, what they feel they have to offer, it, it feels so much lesser than what they used to be able to offer. There's, Less time, less energy, less coolness. And I think that uh, I look back at when I had my first my first son and a friend of mine would come by on Monday nights with a bottle of wine, occasionally a toy for the baby, and I would put the baby down and we'd watch The Bachelor together. And it was yep. so great. And that's exactly what I needed. And I think I would not have put it out there that like, I just want somebody to come to my house and, put the ba- and watch The Bachelor with me when the baby sleeps. But I think like, oh, acknowledging verbally that you would like to hang out with them and their children when applicable is is key. It'll go a really long way because I don't feel cool inviting a friend to like come to the park with me and watch my kid play, but it's the time I have. So I think exactly. That, yeah, I think this friend, every friend out there who wants to be supportive, who wants to continue and build the friendship with the children and the growing family involved, I think just say it put it out there, make the offer, call and say, what are you guys doing on Saturday? I'd love to see you. Not something that's going to be demanding and see if they can incorporate you into it. And I I personally would love to hear that from my friends. Tag along. Tag along to the playground yeah. or the museum or Chuck E. Cheese yes. or whatever. Why not? Just do it. Well, before we wrap things up, uh, it's my favorite time of the podcast where we share something that we like, something our kids like, something that we think you might like. It is time for recommendations. Let's start with you, Faith. What do you recommend to our mom and dad are fighting listeners today? You see, I was giving you a little time to get ready. I like that. Thank you. So my recommendation is, I think, very out of character if anybody knows me, but I'm going to recommend join a fancy gym. I finally did it when my, a year ago, we joined a gym near our house and it's like a sports club and they have like a kid room and there's like a steam room and I can use all the towels I want and not wash them when I take a shower. And it's been the best thing ever. And I'm not recommending anybody go for exercise or to get in shape. But I have found that investment, that monthly investment in a gym membership for me and my family has like changed my life for the better. I have alone time for the first time in a long time when I'm not like working or commuting. And I have me time and the kids are engaged while I'm doing my own thing. And even my husband is enjoying it. And so 
go out there, find a fancy gym if you can afford it. And honestly, if you're playing, if you're paying for your kids to do like gym or whatever, just save that money and do the, a family gym. <laughs> and if you're in the DMV, I'm going to recommend you go to St. James, which is my gym that I love so much. Nice. Very nice. Okay, what about you, Rebecca? What do you recommend? I'm going to recommend making your kids, when they set up their own checking account, uh, sign up with Venmo so that it's easy to give them money when they're on the fly and out and about and doing things. It's just like immediately in their checking account. Plus, it's a super fun way of spying on them and their financial transactions with other people. And while I do not generally advocate spying on my kids, it is super fun to see what they're sending people other money, other people money for and what they're calling it, like my half of the pizza or that thing I told you I would pay for. Uh, the one thing I would not <laughs> recommend is reminding your kids that you can see their transactions on Venmo. Go private, then they will kids. Change, exactly. Then they'll change their settings to private. But uh, for me, especially with Henry at college, it's been a couple of times where it's like things I want to pay for, like 20 bucks for this, 20 bucks for that. It's just been a super awesome tool. And I used it the other night with Teddy when he was just out with his friends and realized that he didn't have enough cash to leave a tip at a restaurant. And that is very fucking important to me that my my kids not be mm-hmm. shitty tippers. So I was like, I'm going to venue 20 bucks right now so you can make sure that your stupid friends and you don't leave uh, with a terrible tip for this poor server who I had to deal with you for the last hour. That is um, very a good very tip. good tip. Very good tip. <laughs> I reminisce on my very brief uh, stint as a waitress at Red Lobster today on the phone with my mom and, and that I cried. Um, on, on the floor during endless shrimp because my tips were so bad. Oh, so, yes. it's the worst. Yes. Uh, in addition to getting your kids set up on Venmo, please teach them to tip and to tip well. Um, I would recommend, hmm, there's so many things that I like at this point in my life, um, and so many of them are so inaccessible. I would say... To me, not to you all. I'm not saying I'm 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 high. I'm not hiding my wealthy uh, habits from you. <laughs> it's just I'm like I've been too busy to take care of myself. Okay, I've got one. I'm gonna recommend co-working spaces. Right? I, I I feel very like Kramer showing up with an idea from ten years ago. Like if you tried frozen yogurt, but no, really, I uh, you know like 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 many people, as I, I spent a. Uh, the good majority of my career working in an office um, or, you know, for a place that provided me with a space, you know, where I did the thing that I get paid to do. And now I, I don't have that. And so I am. Uh, in fact, they don't even want to let me in the Slate office when I come in. <laughs> I have to explain myself to a few people like, no, really, I know I dress I'm like I'm going. <laughs> I might Very be dressed secure. like I'm going to the beach, but um, I'm actually here to talk about parenting. Yes, I am the lady you haven't seen with a child in a really long time. How did you know? Um, but no, I would like to recommend co-working spaces. I had been saying I wanted to join one for a long time and I just got into a habit of going to a coffee shop. But then you always end up having to spend money on food or drinks. And then there's a bar by my house where I bring my laptop sometimes and they probably think I'm super lonely and have no friends, even though I've brought dates and stuff in there or whatever, but I'm there most often than not with my laptop. But then that means that I'm, you know, I'm drinking. And so with co-working spaces, um, you, of course, have a place that you pay a monthly fee for and you can go um, oftentimes very late hours. Some of them are 24 hours a day. Some of them close at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And, you know, you have a typically well-ventilated, comfortable place to sit, maybe with couches and chairs. And one um, co-working uh, 
app, I, I guess, or, or platform in particular, Croissant, allows you to pay a weekly or monthly rate um, mm. or to buy blocks of hours. And you have your choice of a lot of different co-working spaces. So I'd open up the app now and say, like, OK, it's three o'clock. You know, I um, I, I need to go somewhere in the financial district or I want to go back over to Bushwick. You know, what's open? Who has seats? And, and I have my choice of tons of co-working spaces as opposed to belonging to just one, which I was kind of a little bit weird about when I decided that I wanted to do it because I was like, well, does that just kind of become an office? Is it like the mm-hmm. same, you know, boring, um, you know, just kind of monotony of, of the same uh, views and the same air and the same seat and all that stuff um, every day. But like I, I go to different co-working spaces around the city um, pretty much every day uh, during the week and sometimes on the weekends and I get to see new people that I nod my head at and not speak and it's great so yes (laughs) I recommend co-working and if you want to co-work around like the little co-working slut um, that you are try croissant (laughs) the croissant app And that, you guys, is our show, the first episode of Mom and Dad or Fighting that was hosted by me. Thank you for listening. If you have a question that you would like for us to talk about on the air, leave us a message at 424-255-7833 or send an email to momanddad at slate.com. And of course, join us on Facebook by searching for Slate Parenting. And hopefully one of us evil moderator overlords will be kind enough to allow you to get in. It took a long time for me to get in the group, too. There's questions they make you answer. And I just wrote, I'm one of the writers. Can I just please? (laughs) And and whoever was moderating wasn't tickled by that, even though I think it was Dan. (laughs) Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by the one and only Just Jupiter. I'm Jamila Lemieux. And behalf on Rebecca and Faith, thank you so much for joining us this week. And we'll talk to you soon. Hello, Slate Plus listeners, you supportive bunch, you. You are still listening to Mom and Dad are Fighting, and our guests, Faith Smith and I, are going to be talking about... Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.